Hi, everyone. My name is Rob Bowen. I started with Hawksoft about two years ago. The reason I went with Hawksoft was the salesperson spent way too much time with me, spent about six hours walking through what Hawksoft could do for my agency, how it could help my agency, and uh, how I could become a larger agency. Then I had the pleasure of meeting Paul and Sean Hawkins at the first national convention of Hawksoft that I went to, um, and I felt like I was treated like every other customer, even though my agency is not that large. Once I got to know the culture of Hawksoft, I knew I had made a good decision. My name is Rob Bowen, Patriotic Insurance Group. I joined Hawksoft for the culture. Hey guys, it's Bradley. I want to tell you about Ascend. Ascend is not just another premium finance company. Ascend will solve all of your agency bill problems through automation of invoicing, premium financing, carrier payables, all the way to the end of the workflow. There's a lot of hidden costs with how you're doing business today. AMSs, CRMs can spend more than half the day chasing down payments, following up on non-pays, getting signatures for financing docs. This leads to an overworked, overwhelmed, unhappy team. And guys, you want your team to be happy. Industry's hard enough as it is. We really need them to be happy. As your agency grows, this issue gets worse and worse, and we typically solve the problem with a little bit of software, but a ton of manpower still involved. With Ascend, you can use a software-first solution and just need a little bit of manpower, allowing you to grow without significant increase in overhead. Ascend automates all of these repetitive payment processes so your team can get back to helping your clients. With Ascend, we've seen non-payment cancellations in our agency go down up to 95%. Teams save more than 20 hours per month when they work with Ascend and an average of a 75% decrease in payment-related customer questions. Guys, if people aren't calling your office with questions, you have more time to sell and grow your agency. Visit useascend.com backslash insurance, guys. Guys, Ascend makes agency bill as easy as direct bill, but you keep all of the benefits of agency bill the best of both worlds. Thanks, guys. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, powered by Hawksaw. God, I love Hawksaw. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Mobile, Alabama. Parade first team All-American rivals five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I am good, man. How are you? Best I've ever been, Bradley. I was telling my wife a story the other day and we laughed at you. I posted this story on Facebook because I just was led to post it in my heart because in Alabama, we've been having in North Alabama, a lot of rain Mm -hmm. over like a week period. And then we had high winds associated with thunderstorms, a lot of trees down, a lot of trees down recipe for that. And so day after day, after day, after day, I'm getting calls some on my cell phone after hours about my neighbor's tree fell on my fence my tree fell on my neighbor's house my tree we we had a this is a true story bruce Payne in my priceful office called me last week he said scott you're not gonna believe this he said one of my clients down here in priceful went over to the uh ford dealership two weeks ago and bought a brand spanking new 
just out of the box, Ford Bronco Badlands edition, parked it in their driveway. Guys, they had not made one single payment on this vehicle. Now, they had paid a little bit of a down payment, but they did not make one payment on this vehicle. And an oak tree goes through the center of it, centers the top of it. So I felt led to do this video on Facebook about just, just a little information about the whole who pays for the tree if it falls in my yard and it's the neighbor's or what if the tree falls in my yard and it's mine, but it doesn't damage anything. And then one guy asked me last week, so this was a 50-year-old oak tree it would have a particular value to it being a mature oak tree will will the insurance company pay me for the value of the tree and of course trees are typically the, not insurable so no it, uh, i don't want to drop the punchline but that was the guy that was the guy that i sent you the voice recording of and i have to do this bradley because as you travel the world and meet different insurance agents, and I know one of their questions to you specifically is, you know, you and Scott are like brothers. Are these crazy ass, wild, unimaginable stories that he tells on this podcast true or not? And I, I, I double down on making sure Bradley gets all of the phone call recordings and the videos and everything so that he can honestly look at them and say, billion percent true, 100%. I got it right here. You handle those situations so well. Scott. Uh, I, I didn't so tell him the punchline. Our line. friends, <laughs> our friends uh, Aaron, Aaron uh, Robertson, mm -hmm. David Carruthers, and mm -hmm. Daniel Song are, are on a uh, life-changing bucket list trip to Alaska right I, now that Scott I, and I are exhausted from watching all the videos. Listen, I feel like it's never going to end. Here, here's what I think's happened. So they created this Wiley Coyote plan. They have moved into some kind of temporary monthly Airbnb, and they're going to buy a home in Alaska together. And, and then, they haven't told their wives And yet. then send some kind of certified letter to their wives that, hey, it's over. I'm in Alaska. You're there. So y'all just, uh, yeah, I'll send you some money. Hey, or Scott and I are in a group message with them, and we're jealous. We're not there, but. They were they were sharing all these just like oh I mean video of a bald eagle oh, and, yeah and the, David mo the, the moose walking a, beside the car and we're not exaggerating David catching a a trout out of the river and cooking it fifty yards from where he caught it 100%. and and Scott says boy that's awesome I just had a customer tell me to take my insurance policy and stick it up my ass <laughs> and then he sends me the recording of the actual phone call. And I love, I'll get these texts from Scott. And when I see it's a voice recording, mm. I know it's one of these phone mm. calls from mm. one of his crazy mm. North Alabama clients. Mm. And I'm just so excited. Well, with that particular instance, I didn't have, I haven't told you this. I didn't have enough time to listen to the whole call. Sure. I just wanted to hear that part. And I said, well, if I know Scott, it's probably right at the end. Uh, almost. So I time. fast forwarded right to the end. And I, I, I looked at the, the little voice waves mm -hmm. And I saw where they jumped up and I said, yeah, that's where it is. Mm -hmm, right. So I went right there, which is the exact same way Johnny edits a podcast, sure. by the way. He looked sure. for irregularities in that. Right. And sure enough, there it is. There it was. But yeah, somebody told you that. And you handled it very well, I, I will say. You you handle those situations better than I would, mm. which is why I don't talk to as many customers as mm -hmm. you do. So. Well, the, the, so the kicker in this story, besides the guy telling me to take my homeowner's policy and shove it up my ass 
exact, exact verbiage. I think I'm leaving off. I think he did drop an F bomb in front of that, but I don't want to say that on the podcast. I think he actually said, stick it where the sun don't shine. Oh, is that what he said? I'm sorry. He, I thought he, he, told he did me to say the F word, but he said, stick it where the sun don't shine. That's what he, he said. said stick it Not to ass. correct you, but no, 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 that's I think fine. That's a funnier st- saying. Yeah, stick it. Sounds where like the sun. my grandmother. And then I said, I said, what is it exactly that I've said that's upsetting you or making you mad? And then click. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just hangs up yeah. on me. Well, and I'll, I'll tell you guys, I'll, I tell my team this all the time. You know, 99% of things that happen in this industry that are to the detriment of the customer mm. are things that would happen with any carrier. 100%. Any agency. Mm-hmm. And so I always tell my team, anytime you have a situation like that where a customer's upset, it's always good to reinforce the fact that, hey, look, I understand that nationwide is not paying mm-hmm. for this tree that fell in your house mm-hmm. or whatever, but you'd run into that problem with any insurance carrier. This is not a, and an, an what happens is it sort of reinforces the fact that, Hey, I'm on your side. Like mm-hmm. I'm not the mm-hmm. one that made, you know what I mean? I had an agent call me this morning and had a customer with a double digit, digit rate increase that overreacted wildly. And I said, mm-hmm. call her back mm-hmm. and pull a list of all the state filings mm-hmm. of all the carriers in the mm-hmm. state and show, Hey, this is not a all state problem, right? This is not a state farm problem. This is not a progressive. Like, everybody's dealing with this. Mm-hmm. And it sort of, it sort of eases the tension of them feeling singled out and, mm-hmm. and they, they stop taking it so personally, but that guy, there was no turning around. Well, I, I, let me say this. And then I want to bring our rock star guest on because what we've just done is d- done a beautiful segue into some of the questions I had for him today. I will say this, Bradley, I think by far the hardest part of my job besides dealing with employees, which is sometimes very rewarding and sometimes very challenging. You know, the, the, I tell people all the time when you're a scratch agent or you're a small agency and maybe it's just you or couple of people or you and your wife or you and a, you know, a, a account manager, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to manage that that's manageable, but you start getting up into the, and I think it's about where you and I are now, where we're into that nine, 10, 11, 15, 16 employee range. And you're still, yep. you're still trying to play human resource manager to some degree. And, and you're the person they come to when they're, they're mad about what they got paid or uh, something's happened at home and they're getting a divorce or mm-hmm. so, well, it, it could well, be a myriad of things. You know, it's, there, it's tough. There's it's three tough. stages to growing a company, mm. learn how to sell. Mm-hmm. So when you first start sales solves all your problems, learn how to grow. So you take that sales mm-hmm. and you provide, you, you put leverage on it. Number two, learn how to grow. Yes. Learn how to grow. I'm writing this down by the way, guys. And the third one is learn how to lead. Hmm. And that's the hardest part. Mm -hmm. And that's where both of us are now. Mm -hmm. Um, I am inherently better at selling and growing than I am leading. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I point all my educational to. I mean, you know, this Mm -hmm. game is easy. Like figure out, Mm -hmm. figure out what you're not good at. Mm -hmm. Outsource everything, outsource and delegate everything you can that you're not good at. Mm -hmm. And then the things that you can't outsource and delegate that you're not good at, you just apply education to them mm-hmm. and that's what you focus all your efforts on to to that point and then i promise we're bringing our guest on but i, I feel led to say this i had a friend of mine who's also an insure tech vendor call me last week and we were talking on a zoom call because i needed to go over some data with him and he starts asking me all these like um you know these these really personal 
I shouldn't say personal, they're business related questions, but they were like questions, uh, pretty in-depth questions about behind the curtain stuff. What's your five year growth plan? Where do you, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And I said, I said this to him, you might want to clip this one. I said, Thomas, I am rowing the boat and bailing the water as fast as I can bail it. Mm -hmm. Do not bother asking me what my five-year plan is because I'm not so sure I know what my damn tomorrow <laughs> plan is. But I said, I said this, I said, I wrote an article myself. Nobody else wrote it. It wasn't an AI article for Chris Paradiso's last agent standing magazine last year, where I talked about how I wanted to be retired at age 60. And that's only in nine years. And I said, one thing I have figured out is if you make bad hires in your agency that for whatever, doesn't matter what the reason is, doesn't matter how it happened, doesn't matter what they do or don't do, but you can just about bet that what I have done in, in some of the hires that I have made over the past five years have taken me back five years to being able to retire. In other words, it's like the game Candyland. You almost get, you know, three quarters of the way up to the top. And then one of these bad hires, something happens. And now you can just about mm -hmm. click yourself back five spaces because of what it's going to cost in whatever it costs, whether it's business or you having to deal with them all the time or, or whatever it may be, it's going to cost you about at least, I would say for every bad hire, you can knock yourself back about two, two, two years in being able to Depends retire. on the degree of the bad hire, but yeah. And I, but I think too, you know, man, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's easy yeah. to look back and beat yourself up. But I think if you, Think about every bad hire you've made. If we were to go back to you before you made that hire and I said, hey, this could happen, which is good, or this could happen that's bad. I think a lot of times you'd still make, you'd still gamble yeah. and maybe hire the and, person. And, and I need to correct something that I just said. I want to correct something before we move on because we got to bring our, our guest on. Sorry. I should not have said bad hire. That was the wrong choice of words. I think what I should have said, Bradley, is... Instead of bad hire, I should have said the wrong fit. Yeah. yeah Does yeah. that make sense? Because yeah, yeah. I don't know that any hire I've made in the last five years is necessarily, well, the girl that Other stole the money was. Yeah. Amy. Yeah. Uh, of them committing fraud. There's no such thing as a bad hire. It's correct. Bad fit. It, it's just a bad fit, right? It's just, it's just that, you know, this person or these people or whatever, maybe they needed to be in more of an entrepreneurial place or maybe they needed to be with an agency that was more had a different culture than ours, maybe more formal or maybe more commercial oriented, but your agency's more personal, you know, something, something there. But anyway, guys, sorry, we got off on a tangent there. I've got an all-star guest on today, friend of the shows, friend of the one city world tour that I'm still trying to talk Bradley into doing next this coming year. I want to give him the introduction that he's always deserved. But ladies and gentlemen, he is originally from San Antonio, Texas, and he currently resides in Austin, Texas. He is married to the beautiful Alma, and they have one beautiful daughter, Camilla, age three years old. Camilla, one day you are going to listen to this podcast, and you're going to be so proud of your daddy and what he's accomplished in his life. I want you to do me a favor, go up and hug his neck and tell him how much you love him. That'd mean a lot to him, and it would mean a lot to me. He is a graduate of Texas Tech University with a BBA in business economics, and his past roles in the industry, he has served with the Hartford 
as an underwriter, the Hanover. He's worked for Vouch and Product Innovation. And today, he is the Director of Insurance Solutions at Security Scorecard, a global leader in cybersecurity ratings and cybersecurity risk management for technology companies. He is also the host of the Beyond the Policy podcast. He has over a decade of experience in both the small business and middle market commercial insurance segments as a technology underwriter and sales executive. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you first-time guest on the IGP, Mr. Andrew Correll. How are you, Andrew? I'm doing very well, Scott. Thank you for for that introduction. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here. I couldn't look at you on the screen. I was going to start crying. I'm a little emotional right now. I don't know why. So I just, I just kept my head third down. podcast of the day. I know. I start getting very emotional. <laughs> Scott has this very hard exterior, and, and I usually spend each podcast breaking it down. And then by the third, he's just like a big bar of soap. I am. Just I am. A big softy. Andrew, we have got a great deal to discuss today, and we kind of hit on some of our topics right before we got on the show. I have a question for you as an underwriter. I talk to these agents on here a lot and they can go back and listen. But one time back in 2012 or 13, my friend Bill Cochran gave me a class on a whiteboard with a dry erase marker. He drew a clock on the board and he spent an hour teaching me about the cycle of insurance and that no matter what day, what hour, what year, what time, no matter whether it's sunshiny or rainy, every carrier in America is in the cycle of insurance. And as you know, Andrew, today, the entire insurance industry, it feels like we're in a hard market, both personal lines and commercial, which in my career since 08, it's typically been one or the other. Like it felt like you know, personal lines might be in a hard market for a little while and then commercial might be in a hard market. I've never been in the market where everything is hard. Talk to me a little bit about you as an underwriter and the years of experience that you've had, what it's like being, and I'm trying to give you the opportunity to speak to all these agents, the 250,000 that are listening right now, to give them a little flavor from your side of the aisle on what it's like to be an underwriter in a hard market. Oh yeah. Hard markets. Um, that's, that's kind of where, where you earn your stripes, you know, when, when you're in a soft market, it, it's easy, you know, you quote just about everything. It's hard in some, some regards, right. You've got more competition, but, but in those hard markets, um, that's where you, you find your best relationships. I feel those are the ones where, you know, you know, who your partner agents are, who you're going to go to bat for, who you can go to bat for capacities, tightening up, Terms are locking down and it's tough to get some of those classes of business in the door that were so easy to two, three years prior. So yeah, it, it's tough. You know, like I speaking for myself, you want to write more, you want to quote more than, than you can. And, and so that's where you get kind of strategic about the, the deals that you're trying to bring in the door. So that re relationship with that independent insurance agent, pipelining deals, working through some of the, the obstacles that, you know, you're going to face. Um, that's where the, those planning meetings really, really come through. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. A lot of the times where, you know, you say, Hey, Andrew, what, what the heck happened six months ago? You're in my office. You, you identified this piece of business, uh, that you wanted to quote. And, and here we are quoting time. Now, now you're saying you can't offer terms. And those are, those are tough conversations. 
So I want you to do me a favor. And it sounds like there've been times I've got a few marketing reps who are also my underwriter, you know, which sounds like kind of some of the opportunities that you've had in the past, you, you kind of used, you were in that dual role of, which by the way, I like, because it allows me to build a relationship with you as not only my marketing manager and don't get Bradley and I started about just the, the typical marketing manager. That's not also the underwriter because they just don't have much power. I, I love, I love all of mine. They're all good people. They all seem to be genuinely good folks, but you know, they really just don't have much power to do a whole lot about anything. But when your underwriter is also your marketing manager, now that's a little different story, but here's, here was my question that I want you to speak to all these agents about as an underwriter, you are literally sitting at your desk one day, let's say for the past two years, business has just been flying through like, man, Bradley flowers puts in a application through XYZ company. And maybe it, maybe it qualifies for auto, like automatic underwriting where it just pow, just goes through, or maybe it comes to you, but, and, and you're just like, man, we're writing everything in this class right now. We're just, here you go, Bradley. It's I'm sending it right back to you. You're good. But there, there comes a day and I assume this is either a T-Con, you know, like a zoom call or a Google hangout or something or a T-Con, like a, a teleconference, you know, with, with upper management, with, with. With your boss, with with your boss, and probably hit that person's boss. Where tell me if I'm right or not. There there comes this day where they maybe maybe first it's an email. Hey, we got a meeting today at one o'clock. Okay, no problem. Jump on the meeting. Well, we're making. Is it we're making some changes? Is that what happens? Is that how it starts? We're making some changes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there will definitely be there. There's usually kind of internal discussion looking through the portfolio. Looking, looking out at what's ahead, you know, what kind of headwinds are we facing in the marketplace, types of business, you know, lines of business, classes of business, et cetera. Um, and the, those, those conversations will happen and then get to a point where, where that go forward plan uh, has been agreed upon. And then, yeah, we start, we start pounding the pavement, um, getting in front of our, our agency partners and in walking through that. The worst thing that you can do is just, like you said, it, it's there one day and it's not the other. Uh, that is not the the type of relationship that you want to have. So yeah, you we're we're looking at getting in front of our our partners as early as possible and talking through that and holding a you know an open forum to kind of answer those questions. Yeah, to your point, a lot of the time, like I mean, this is not a you know a specific carrier decision. It's it's something that's affecting the, the entire marketplace. But even even still, uh, it, it's something we want to talk through um, and 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 have those open lines of communication. Does your boss and their boss, meaning you know, I guess C-suite management, are they giving you in those meetings specific instructions that we're in a hard market and are they saying to you as an underwriter, instead of just taking a glance at this and if it looks okay, pushing it through, they're, they're giving you like, okay, here's the new requirements. And by the way, we need you to really drill down into these applications and make sure that these requirements that we're giving you relative to these bullet points or whatever they're, you know, however they're doing it, uh, are being met 
prior to you accepting that application. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get under, or we'll get updated underwriting guidance on that. Um, depending on the situation, you know, sometimes it's a, Hey, these are do not pass go We're we're not entertaining the, these lines of business or classifications anymore. But most of the time it's, Hey, we're updating our, our approach to this. Um, here's what good looks like. Here's what, you know, let, let's, Let's look at this a little bit more. Yeah, new new updates as far as qualifications go, those criteria, any kind of pricing guidance, you know, and different firmographic information. Like sometimes it'll be, hey, we can we can do this for a large account, but you know, for a, a smaller account, you know, maybe the the guidance is a little different. Um, but yeah, we'll 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 make sure that we have those. Hold on, because you just walked right into my bear trap. <laughs> Agents, I need y'all to listen to this. Turn the volume up in your vehicle right now. So from the time you, Andrew, get the guidance that you just talked about, you know, you gave a pretty good little scenario there of exactly what happens. From the time that you get that guidance to the time Bradley Flowers, who is the agent boots on the ground in Mobile, Alabama with your carrier, and I don't mean your, I'm, I'm speaking hypothetical right now, but from the time you're getting that guidance the boots on the ground getting that guidance what's the lag there because my my opinion is it ought to be pretty damn fast like if you're getting it you know how this normally happens oh yeah yeah the the boots on the ones are the last ones yeah so what's the norm for an agent to get that same information that you just got in the meeting i mean by the time we have that meeting i mean that 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 type of guidance is is ready to go and it also depends on the situation you know when you if, for example if you're talking like natural disasters sometimes like the, those decisions have to be made pretty quickly if if you're you know taking capacity out the market for certain geographies and zip codes and things like that that's usually pretty quick but for for general kind of like hey we're, we're steering the ship in a different direction once once that meeting happens, I mean that guidance is ready to go and and emailed out pretty quick. Depending on the agency, if we've got contact information for producers, account managers, I mean they're they're included on that distribution as well. Other than that, I mean if we don't have individual contact information, it's kind of up to agency principals and leadership to to disseminate. But generally, after the meeting, those are those are the times when we're walking through what's coming down the pike and. With any kind of luck, we've got some lead time on that. So we at the carry level don't want to do something like, hey, these these take place tomorrow, right? We we want to avoid situations like that and give folks lead time um, so that, you know, if if anything is is coming down the pike pretty close uh to time, you've got some time to to address some different markets. And same thing goes like if there's an open quote out, generally, unless it's like cat related type stuff, we don't want to pull quotes or, or rescind offers or anything like that. So if there's an ongoing quote, those are usually not, not a part of that, but, but yeah, to answer the question, like if that, that guidance is ready to go, I mean, it's, it's, it's usually in the email pretty soon after. You also get into like aggregate issues too, especially with yeah. some of the like Lloyd's cover holders and that sort of thing where it, it may not be like, Hey guys, uh, we're no longer taking this line of business. It may be guys, Hey, we only have X amount of aggregate left. Sure. And once it's gone, it's gone. And to, to me, those two things accomplish the same goal, but they're inherently different. No, absolutely. Yeah. Cause it one could be more of an appetite approach and the other is just, Hey, we've got X number of dollars allocated for this specific type of risk. We see that like, it, 
back in my day, it was more uh, like terrorism zones, like Chicago, New York, areas like that, where we've got a finite amount of capacity that we could write business in, in a specific area. And yeah, we're we're pretty up to date on that. And 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 producers and account managers like that that'll be a, an ongoing conversation because um, it's fluid, right? The business can move elsewhere. You know, we we fill up on new business. Other times it's renewals walk. Um, and, and yeah, so that's a, that's an important piece of information to like be in communication about. We had a, a large piece of business that renewed, supposed to renew in July and the wholesaler cover holder was renewing, you know, they renewed their reinsurance six one. They came to us in the middle of May and they were basically like, Hey, we have this much capacity now, or you can roll the dice and see what happens after six one. And so that client ultimately ended up renewing a month earlier mm. to secure that renewal in a line of business that it's a lot of people aren't getting renewals right now. So you get into a lot of interesting, weird games like that. But going back to something Scott said in the beginning, see, I, I disagree and am not a fan of the carrier rep also being the underwriter and vice versa. And I have, you know, a lot of wholesalers and MGAs do that way. And I have a lot of underwriters that are carrier reps and I don't necessarily ha like have anything against them per se, but just from a balance of power standpoint, mm. to me, to me, you have the underwriter over here who to some degree is looking for, hey, why don't we need to, you know, th they're making sure I'm doing the correct job. I'm doing my job correctly. And, you know, let's face it, at some companies, underwriters are sales prevention department, mm. right? Let's make sure that the account's written correctly and there's nothing, you know, that we missed and, uh, you know, like it or not, ultimately the underwriter is the one that declines the risk. To me, I need my marketing rep on the other side of that to push for sales and to go to bat for me when that happens. And it's kind of like the United States government. You have the legislative, judicial, and executive branch, you know, Republican, Democrat, those, those balance of powers are a good thing. And to me, when you have your marketing rep is also your underwriter, it's almost like a, it's almost like a dictatorship. You know what I mean? It's the same person who's pushing you for business is also the person that declines it. The, the person who chooses to pull your contract or not is also the person that looks at every single type of business you get. And to me that it's a, it's a completely different relationship. I, I'm going to say this. I don't have enough marketing managers that double as my underwriter to sit here and say you're right or wrong. Yep. I, I would have to have a bigger, uh, you know, a bigger number of those to say, no, it works well or it doesn't. I think I only have a couple of to, companies that do that. To me, it's just a philosophical thing. You know what I mean? Like we had a carrier recently, or I say recently, like three years ago, that we, we got appointed with them. They had a separate marketing rep from the underwriter. Mm -hmm. We had a piece of business we submitted that was in the process. It looked like it was going to be declined. And I called the marketing rep and I was like, hey, I need you to go to bat to me for this one. Go, go to bat for me on this mm -hmm. one. I, I don't do that. That's not my role. And I was like, well, respectfully, what do I have you for? Like, what what's your job then? Disseminate information. To come into come into my office and grab a, a business card. Okay. I'll send you one in the mail. Don't ever come see me. Again. I didn't say I wasn't that aggressive, but you know what I mean? Like, like to me, what good is a marketing rep? Because I can get information from emails, you know, MailChimp does that pretty, a lot cheaper than, right. you know, to me, that's the most value of marketing, unless the marketing rep is coming in my, and by the way, I love all my marketing reps. I know a lot of y'all listen to this. I'm not attacking anyone. None of my marketing reps are coming to my office and saying, Hey, here's these 10 resources I found in the industry that are, that, that would be super valuable. 
to me, the 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 really the the best value in a marketing rep is going to bat for you on certain deals. And if the marketing rep is also the underwriter, you sort of lose that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'll, I'll say from uh, experience in that realm, like I, I, it's always been that separation of powers. I like to call it a healthy tension. Separation of church and state, man. Like it's exactly, that's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the marketing reps that I had, like they, I mean, they were, they were extensions of the agency. You know, we got to good terms by a lot of guess and check, a lot of conversation, a lot of like working out the kinks, but make no mistake. They were, they, we, we had the same name on our business cards, but it felt not confrontational, but like you said, Bradley, like they were coming to bat. They were, I mean, they were, they're hounding me via email and in phone all the time. Like, Andrew, what's going on? What's going on? Like, I need you to write this piece of business. Here's why. And, and so I, I think that's like a, a big takeaway from, how to strengthen that relationship is utilizing those marketing reps in a way like, I mean, it's, it's a three prong approach. When I first got started, uh, it felt very adversarial to me, uh, like, ah, you know, these, these damn agents, they're just, you know, like throwing stuff in my inbox. They don't even care. And it wasn't until I got like actually in front of my account managers and producers and started connecting with them at a, a personal level, at a human level, I'm like, oh, we're all, we're all just getting the same shit from the client and it, it flows down. And it wasn't until like we started having real conversations and, and it was like, okay, like now, now this doesn't feel like a personal attack. It's just like, we got to work through stuff. And so with, with marketing reps, like the best thing an underwriter can do is be super, super clear on appetite criteria around that appetite. So that when that marketing rep is in front of a producer or account manager, they're 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 talking the 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 crystal clear message. The worst thing that could happen is your marketing rep goes out, has uh, meetings with producers and account managers and, and agency leadership. And they have this 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 vision that they're talking through, and then when they get to underwriting, it's a completely different experience because I've I've been on on that side, and the you you talk about like a really bad situation. It's not good, um, and so. Being on the same page, you know, I, I I was never a marketing rep, but because I, I worked in the technology sector, it was such a kind of a niche business that it helped to have somebody from underwriting helping out on the the marketing rep side, and it was just you know being being open and honest about what I can do and what I can't do. You know, there, there's I always like to say there's two kinds of underwriters: one that will find any reason not to write a piece of business. And one that will find any reason to write a piece of business, you know, get get strategic thinking there. And I don't think either are good. I think you yeah. need to be right in the middle. I think so. I mean, you know, like like you mentioned, the underwriters protecting the balance sheet of the insurer, the marketing rep done right is is an extension of the agency within the carrier. And so there has to be that healthy tension. You know, it, it can't just be, you know, one is dropping opposition to the other. It has to be that healthy internal tension and, and, but just being honest about it, you know, that that's where I feel like if you try to sugarcoat things or, or, or not being open and honest about, you know, for lack of a better term, how the sausage is being made, that that's when you start to get breakdowns. And that's, that was my biggest takeaway. You want to fix a lot of the problems in this industry mm-hmm. for two months. Every agent needs to work as an yep. underwriter yep. and every underwriter needs to work as an agent mm-hmm. and every adjuster needs to work as an agent. And every agent needs to work as an adjuster and every underwriter needs to work as an adjuster. And every C-suite executive needs to work in an agency for two weeks. And everybody seeing the other person's point of view or at the very least recognizing that you don't understand the other person's point of view 
solves a lot of the problems, not just mm -hmm. in the industry, but in the country. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Like I have friends that are on the opposite political side from me. And when they say things that I don't necessarily agree with or that spark a little bit of disagreement or rage inside of me, I'm like, you know what? I don't understand their point of view mm -hmm. very well. So I'm not even going to understand my point of view. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Hey guys, it's Bradley. Look, are you tired of spending endless hours searching for potential business prospects? Look no further. With Leo, you can gain access to a whopping 40 million businesses. That's 40 million prospects in just seconds. Say goodbye to painstaking searches and hello to efficiency. You guys know I'm all about efficiency. Leo just isn't about speed, though. It's about accuracy, too. With Leo's cutting-edge tools, you can validate new producers faster than ever before. No more wasted time on unreliable data. Leo's got you covered. But that's not all. Leo empowers you to carve your own niche market using unparalleled data insights. Want to target specific dates for workers' comp? Done. Need to identify brokers or carriers to focus on? Leo has your back. And here's the icing on the cake, guys. Leo lets you search prospects based on size, revenue, dates, violations, and more. The possibilities are literally endless. Step into a world of business possibilities with Leo. Revolutionize the way you connect, target, prospect, and succeed. Don't miss out. Join the Leo community today. Go to meetleo.com, and when you go to book a demo or reach out to them, put in the how did you hear about us field that you heard about them on the Insurance Guys podcast or IGP for short. You'll get 20% off. Talk to the folks at Leo. Highly recommend them. Thanks, guys. Well, hello there. Guys, excuse me for interrupting your regularly scheduled podcast, but I'm here today to get you out of aggregator and cluster jail. This may be the most important message I've ever delivered on the Insurance Guys podcast. Guys, are you a member of a cluster or an aggregator? Does your contract have exit fees, termination payments, buyback provisions? It's time to get your freedom back and do what we did here at iProtect Insurance. Join the AC, the future of aggregators in our industry. Best decision we've ever made, guys. Best decision we've ever made. No entry fees, small $200 a month membership fee, over 50-plus carriers for direct appointments, and by the way, new ones coming on board each and every month. You keep 100% of your commissions, profit sharing every year. Guys, we have made in the last two years – each year, our agency has made over $100,000 in profit sharing. Here's the best part, guys. And this is the part I'm the most passionate about. No termination or exit fees. You give the AC 60 days notice and you're free. You go get direct appointments wherever you want. There's no buyback provisions, no exit clauses. Guys, if you're a member of another aggregator, and you have termination fees, buyback provisions, exit clauses, every single policy you write, you're digging that hole just a little bit deeper. And one day you're not going to be able to get out of it. It's going to be too much. You're going to be taking out a second mortgage on your home to try to get out of a cluster group. Unbelievable. Guys, go to acfree.org. That's acfree.org and register. Find out why over 650 agencies and $3 billion in premium have chosen the AC. And guys, here's the best part. But wait, there's more. Mention the Insurance Guys podcast when you talk to these guys and you get six 
months, that's six months of no membership fee just by mentioning the Insurance Guys podcast. Go today, www.acfree.org, and let me help you get your freedom back. Have a great day. I'll say this. The times I've written the most business with the most carriers in my career has always been when I had the best relationship with my underwriter. 100%. And the times, I, I remember me as an associate agent when I left State Farm, I want to say it was, yeah, two, 2010. It was uh, spring of 2010. It was not too terribly long after that, maybe two or three years, something like that where I was talking to my friend and they, uh, a friend of mine over there and they said, yeah, we just, we just went to pool underwriters where when I was there and, and in my first, I want to say three or four, maybe five years with nationwide on the personal line side, we had both a premier underwriter for personal lines that we had a great relationship with. And we had a premier underwriter in commercial. And I do remember my commercial mid-market underwriter that tension that the two of you keep bringing up. Yeah. It was, he was a really good underwriter. And I don't know. We just, the, sometimes there'd be things that we really wanted to write. And he would like be real honest with us and be like, you don't want to write this. I can tell you this right now. You do not want to write this risk. Mm -hmm. And so there was that back and forth. Well, why don't we want to write it? Well, I'm sitting here seeing da, 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 da. The pool underwriter thing never works that I've yeah. seen. Yeah. It, it always ends up hurting either the agency or the carrier or both to now some degree. we have, but we have companies now that we write through and you probably write through that we, we don't ever work with the same underwriter yeah. and it's not as good a relationship no. i mean you don't put as much i mean the the producers that i have in my agency that write the most production have the best underwriter relationships 100 percent. bottom line you know 100%. i think something else i've seen carriers do is i've seen them judge an underwriter's performance based on how much work they had on their desk mm -hmm. I saw this on the captive side. Therefore, and the underwriter sort of knew that there was going to be a few lay some layoffs down the road. So they just issued more suspenses. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've got all this work on my desk. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I, you know what I mean? It's, right. it's, it's one of those things that starts with well intention of like, hey, let's judge performance based on how many suspenses somebody issues. Well, I'm just going to nitpick every single account. And you know right. what I mean? But the flip side of that is, I don't think, the, like you said, I don't think the person that issues the most business, the fastest, the easiest is necessarily a good thing, too, because there's uh -huh. a loss ratio issues waiting to happen. Uh -huh. it, you got to have both sides. Andrew, you said you had a three-pronged approach. Uh, I wrote down one, two, three under underwriter approach for working with agents. Number one that I wrote down was super clear on appetite, expectations. What are the other two? I would say another one, uh, visit your agencies, Bradley, I'm, I'm with you pool. I I've, I've been in both. I've done underwriting pools and I've done, you know, kind of managing a region. And I'll say for me, like on the underwriting side, the most beneficial was, was having those one-to-one -one relationships. You know, it's a, it's a story that evolves over time. You know, it's not about calling in chits or whatnot. Um, it's, it's about developing a rapport, you know, and, and that's, that, that's really what, what, what kind of sealed the deal for me. Yeah. I mean, those are, those are the two biggest things. And then, yeah, just like finding ways, finding ways to, to write business, you know, like there's never going to be anything that's a slam dunk. You know, you're going to have to make a case. There's going to be good and bad, but just being inquisitive, open, honest, like leave yourself open for, for a change of opinion, you know, stick to, 
stick to to what you need to, but but also go in with an open mind. But yeah, I mean, o- overall, it's a relationship business, you know. I mean, that's what it all boils down to, you know, taking pride in those relationships. You know, it's a small world. <laughs> you know, that's all I'll say. It's a small world. Yeah, I guess coming back from the other direction, headed towards you. Well, the advice that I would give to agents relative to building relationships with their marketing managers and their underwriters, and in some cases, both because they're the same person would be things similar to what you just said. Like, you know, Bradley mentioned, and I believe you mentioned, Andrew, keeping an open mind, being very clear about, you know, what you need relative as, as an agent, you know, to the marketing and the underwriter. I know I, I'm always asking my marketing reps, like, tell me what you want. Tell me what your appetite is, but also tell me what you don't want. Mm-hmm. We know right now, today, as we are on this podcast, we're in the middle of August. So this is what I like to refer to as carrier rep season. So met with Liberty Mutual last week, I believe we had lunch with them, brought our underwriter with the marketing manager. While I've been on this podcast, this podcast right now today, I just got an email from our travelers commercial marketing manager wants to meet on September the 12th and bring their, her, our underwriter with her which is fine. I love that because like you guys have both said, building relationships, building relationships. And I think there's a lot of things to be said about, and Bradley and I've mentioned it on podcast over the last six or seven years about like trying to put yourself in their shoes and understanding that if you're in a hard market right now, it, it's, it's going to be tough to get business through no matter who your underwriter is. Right. Andrew, before we let you go today, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about. I know you're a specialist in cyber. Matthew Queen, we interviewed him last week, and he was talking about he saw some some white space there in cyber for agents to write through. I'm going to ask you, what are you bullish on right now for these agents out there as far as opportunity for them to start writing some business in some different classes? Yeah, I mean, I, I would echo that. Cyber DNO, those are those are what I'm trying to starting to see as be more like wedge line of businesses. Like if you're you're trying to run an account, uh, leading with cyber and, and DNO, and I feel like that it's an opportunity. Just there, there's not as much expertise in the market right now if, from a representation perspective. Um, so I I think it's just more of a hey, this is a hot commodity from a line of business perspective. It's top of mind. For a lot of the the folks that that you're you're talking to, um, running the business, you know, I think like cyber is something either the number one or number two thing that's keeping business owners up at night, top of mind from a you know what could go wrong perspective. So I always like to follow that. But yeah, there there's 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 capacity, there there's opportunities to to make a name for yourself in the cyberspace. And for for as many people as there there are experts in in work comp and property and auto, like it, it's another opportunity to differentiate yourself from the competition um, and go in with a with, with an approach that really makes sense, uh, that is kind of like a pattern interrupt kind of, you know, it's like, Hey, we, this is, this is our third agent that we've heard from, you know, this week trying to take our business, you know, how are you different? You know, if, if you, if you're different in cyber, I would imagine you're going to book some more meetings. Before we go, I wanted to ask one last question related to you're with security scorecard. I am. And, and I always try every time we get on an episode before I do the countdown, I start, I try to think real, real 
like nanosecond, I think to myself, I'm no different than any other agent out there. Is security scorecard, is that, I know that's the company that you're, you're with now. Tell us a little bit about security scorecard. And, and I don't know if that's something that would be agent facing, like something they could use or if, cause I don't know anything about it. So that's why I asked. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's absolutely something that, that agents can use. So here, here's how, here's how it, I would approach it. So we just talked about how do you make a difference for yourself? Um, what what type of business are you bullish on? So security scorecard, you, you had mentioned it at the top here. We're we're a market leader in cybersecurity ratings. So put a different way, we're we're a view of what uh, an attacker, like a, a hacker or whatever you want to call them, would see. Uh, when you look at an organization from the outside in, so you're you're driving down the street, you're looking at somebody's houses, you see some maybe broken windows, paints a little chipped and faded. It's essentially what we're we're able to showcase for companies. So when you think of what an agent can do with that, you know, when you're talking cyber insurance, because that's what we're we're doing, cybersecurity risk ratings. You know, there's a lot of information asymmetry out there. You talked about it before, being clear in your expectations. What are we looking for? Underwriters are using this information to to help supplement what they see in an application. So one particular uh, area, software patching cadence. How 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 often are you updating Zoom and Chrome and in in the tools that you're using in your business? On a cyber insurance application, you're just going to get a yes or no question. Do you do you have a patching program in place? Yes or no? Right. But that's, it's a simple question for a complex uh, topic. So we're able to to enrich that data with we're we're not we're not able to answer do they patch their software yes or no do they have a formalized program but we can tell you that you have an outdated version of Zoom uh, that's been outdated for about two months and, and and across their their technology stack right so so we're able to to offer offer that information as an enrichment so when you're talking to an agent well how could I use something like this. Well, just think about the last time you submitted a piece of cyber business to to a carrier, a wholesaler. You know, you probably got back five or ten subjectivities, uh, maybe thirty days if you're lucky before effective date. And now you're crunching with a client trying to uh, address all of those things in thirty days. Well, as you know more than I do, you know, a business owner's time and resources are finite. Right. That's not a 30 day project to address those issues. That's something maybe you want to work on six months in advance. So that 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 same information, talk about information asymmetry, where we're able to get everyone on the same sheet of music. So you as an agent and a producer and account manager are able to partner with your client on this, all the same information on your timeline. So, you know, we, we, we look at it as like a funnel. You can use this in your prospecting messaging. So verse, you know, instead of just a canned outreach plan for cold calls or emails, now you're able to kind of see, is this a very, is this a top performing company when it comes to being very secure or do they have a lot of work to do? Now you can bucket those segments of, of leads um, and, and address your messaging in a different way. So let me stop you there because I want to make sure these agents understand that. You're talking about the agency themselves having an account with security scorecard, but because they have an account with you guys, then as they're prospecting, they would be able to go in and do some type of name, address, something to do with that particular company and print out like basically a scorecard of this is what it shows as your yep. security level right now. And it's pretty crappy. You need a, you need a cyber policy. 
Yeah. And there's different, wow. different levels to that. Right. Yeah. So free access is, is anyone with, with the domain, right. I protect, you can go on there now and claim your scorecard for free as, as a business owner. Right. And if, if I'm an agency now I can start buying access to my, my clients, my prospects. Do we have, do we have time? I hold on just a second. Do we have time? Do we have time for him to do, I protect real quick and see how shitty we are. Sure. Andrew, do I protect insurance right now? Let's All see right, how crappy. Me... Let's see how crappy my agency is on the security would side. Would be hilarious if it was like. Oh, really, it's probably. Really a, what's, it's what, like the time that we were on the podcast with Laura Bruno, oh, and you lost connection. Oh my gosh! And so she and I just deep dove into your personality. Oh my gosh! <laughs> no, I've never listened. To, I got to go back and listen to that. I've never listened to that. All right, so let me just pop, pop, pop. I, I can't. Can 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 we get sharing on here? Yeah, well, I don't yeah. know. I can oh, share my screen. Oh boy, here it comes. So if you're not on YouTube, here it comes. Go to YouTube <laughs> and subscribe. Here it comes. All right, uh, Scott, what's the what's your domain? So every everything's based off of your your website address. Your domain. Yeah, it's just so, it's just www.iprotectinsurance.com spelled out. I, I protect I, uh -huh. insurance.com. Okay, so what we'll find here is that. We don't have a, a scorecard for you just yet, right. but um, when you add it to it, let me see here, maybe I protect insurance.com. Okay, so here we go. Ah, perfect. Okay, so this is, so I'm just going to add this to to my little folder here. So this just shows that we don't have an active scorecard for you in the system right now, but we'll get what's called a fast score in about 60 seconds. So our the data lake that, that this sits on top of covers the entirety of the public-facing internet. So we're talking, you know, what, 4 billion, 12 billion, something like IP addresses that are transacting information. So that's going on in the background, but... You get the report back and it shows three of Scott's employees are on adult websites right now. <laughs> hey, that, I, that would I, probably I, be the least surprising thing <laughs> you could say to me. Hey, do I need to get this to my IT department when we get done to say, <laughs> I'm, I'm serious as a heart attack. I mean, I, I now have a IT company that we have partnered with that does all of our IT work, management, software update, you know, all that kind of stuff. Don't they need to see this? They could. Yeah. So, I mean, so if you don't have somebody in-house that's managing your security, your your managed security service provider will, would probably be using something like this to monitor their clients. And then where it really gets interesting is if you've got a lot of like technology vendors that you work with right. and you're curious, like which one's going to be the next one that's going to maybe breach, you can evaluate. Um, yeah. So, well, let me see. So it's so funny that you just said that, guys. I want you to hear what I'm about to say. Last week, before I came down here to Mobile, I sent or I had one of my employees send to every single insurance tech vendor that we use, which is probably, it's a lot, probably close to 10, a I protect non-disclosure agreement related, vendor non-disclosure agreement related to basically data that they're able to, or that they have, that they use with our agency so that if anything does ever happen, I can pull that out and 
you know, hopefully that'll help our so, case. You two know? questions. And we have a standalone cyber policy. So. Two questions. Why? And two, how did they, how receptive were they to that? Did not have one that did not sign it. Okay. These so are, it's, these it's, are tech vendors, not carriers. These are not carriers. So like Donna and Hawksoft. Correct. And, okay. Correct. And, and the reason why was just to. Um, well, I mean, there's been some things in my agency that have happened in the past that I just, uh, I got you wanted to make sure that, and, and, and the agreement, it doesn't say anything that would give somebody pause really not to sign it other than it just talks about, you know, you're going to use the same precautions for our agency that you, you know, do for your business and any employees that have this information. You know, we hired a, a company to do all of our taxes, book work, payroll, commissions, all of that. And that's a lot of data that they have access to. And there's about four different employees that I work with from their company. Yeah. And I told, I told Kaylin Weston last week, I said, Kaylin, do you understand that these people have everything except my blood type and my underwear size right now? I mean, they have got, <laughs> you, yeah. when I say everything, they have got everything. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't know. I just felt like I needed to sign, have them uh, no, sign some I, kind of. I, I wasn't questioning. I think that's a great idea. I mean, I, honestly, I have every employee sign a non-disclosure just because oh, yeah. I don't want somebody leaving here and being like, well, you know how, you know how much revenue they did last year? You know, I mean, right. you, you, you know. So yes. what, whatever happened to my scorecard, is it just, it never came it looks like it's still calculating. Hey guys, I, I pulled it off. If you go to backslash Scott scorecard, we will email you. I'm kidding. Why, why don't we update? Yeah. Why don't, why don't you send that to me? And yeah, we I'll send it that we'll on send a future episode. So if you're not subscribed guys, subscribe to the YouTube that way you can see it. Hey, Andrew, if these guys want to get in touch with you to learn more, I'm fascinated by this. This is absolutely something we're going to look into in our agency sure. because uh, I can see some very useful value add and ways to, as you put it, create the wedge to get in to talk to somebody using this. Yeah, I would say, um, I mean, I'm, I'm always available via LinkedIn or you can reach reach out to me, uh, my email, acorel at securityscorecard.io. Happy to answer any questions that, that anybody's got or kind of show them through the platform and, and how could help their agency kind of get more into cyber. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. As I end every episode, rewards come from action, not discussion, guys. Get your ass out from behind that desk today. Go out into the big, bad world. Let me tell you what I just told you guys what to do. You've got to differentiate yourself one way you can do that is by utilizing something like security scorecard or a myriad of other ways and you don't want to call people just to call them you want to add value that's one thing clinton or and i talked about last week when we call somebody to get a referral for somebody else or we're we're looking to write new business we always try to have some kind of value add, whether it's our rate map, whether it's some article, whether it's a, Hey man, I just want to tell you about this property that's just came up for sale that nobody knows about. That's a great one, by the way, but you got You got to be able to differentiate yourself from the, the rest of the pack. And maybe, maybe this is another way they can do that right there, Andrew. So write good business for the agencies that you represent and write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, man. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, y'all. Andrew, we love you, and we will see you back here real soon. Guys, you are listening 
to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family, and we'll see you back real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. We thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.